Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. My favorite movie snack, I think it varies a little bit because sometimes I want something sweet. Sometimes I want something salty. Yeah, I feel Um, that. So... Sometimes I'll do popcorn. Sometimes I'll do Twizzlers. Sometimes I'll do popcorn and Twizzlers. Sometimes I'll do popcorn and a cherry Pepsi. And but I won't do popcorn, cherry Pepsi, and Twizzlers because that's just too fucking much sugar. <laughs> Man, <laughs> but, it's funny you say that because dude, I every time I get Twizzlers, I do end up going with Twizzlers as well, and I get fucking mm-hmm. roasted no matter who I'm with. <laughs> I don't know if that's happened to you, but people are like, "You Wait, like what? Twizzlers?" Oh, 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 I thought you meant like, I thought you were saying roasted as in like, you'd get really high and then get Twizzlers. No, no. Wait, no, you're saying people would like make fun of you for getting Twizzlers? My girlfriend has, other friends have, it's like... Dude, that's fucked, man, I fucking love Twizzlers. hate on the Twizzler game. That's, that's really upsetting. I mean, what the fuck, dude? <laughs> They're Twizzlers, they're great. I really, I don't understand the hate. I like the subtle sweetness, and then you can also make them a straw, but that doesn't really work like it used to. Yeah, no, I feel like they've. Uh, <laughs> I feel like the circumference of the uh, the inner tube of Twizzlers has closed throughout the years. Yeah, yeah, I it's, feel that. It, it, they used to be like straws, but now they function better as like coffee servers. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I used to go with popcorn, but I guess I like popcorn. I like doing uh, Swedish fish as well. Oh yeah. yeah, no, no, I. Uh, Grew up eating a lot of Swedish fish at the movies. That was like my mom's movie snack. Oh, cool. Nice. Yeah. But, and then eventually she kind of shifted to Twizzlers and then I kind of shifted to Twizzlers and I was like, yo, I fuck with this. And then, but always throughout my life, it's been cherry Pepsi or cherry Coke. And like, I only do that at the movies. So if I'm ever in like, you know, normal situation where I have a cherry Pepsi or cherry Coke, it's just, it tastes like the movies to me. Oh, Nice. Yeah. Well, you know, sometimes you need something like that when you're watching a traumatic film. 
I need all the fucking help I can get. Um, hello, everybody. Hello, <laughs> I'm hello. Jake. Hey, I'm Mitch. And this is the Fox Den Film Club. Uh, this is episode three. And today we're talking about a film that traumatized you. Yeah, so basically, let's get into the concept first, though, Jake. Oh, of course, yeah. <laughs> Essentially, I forgot. Every I week, got too comfortable too quick. Every week, Jake and I agree on a topic. Um, really, it could be something like, for instance, this week is a film that traumatized you. Last week was a film to watch on a first date. Um, every week, the topic's different, and we each select a film, um, preferably one that neither of us have seen. But I sh- I'm sure in the future, we'll we'll probably select ones that we've both seen. Um, yeah, especially if we like pick it for like an interesting topic. Mm-hmm. Like if you're like, oh, here's a film that makes me, you know, really happy and I love to put on before I go to bed at night and it's like fucking like Human Centipede or some <laughs> shit, then I'm sure we'd ha- I'd have to rewatch and be like, all right, what the fuck is he talking about? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, so yeah, me and Jake get to kind of learn about each other as people, even though we've known each other for like 20 plus years and grew up near each other. Mm-hmm. And then we also can show you people um films that may help you in certain situations in your life maybe you want to be traumatized for some reason (laughs) (laughs) i was gonna say blue valentine is not going to fuck fucking help anybody anywhere (laughs) sometimes you need a little bit of that 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 trauma in your life so a little bit but this is just too much (laughs) yeah (laughs) so as i've spoiled already um the film i picked for mitchell to watch uh the film that traumatized me was blue valentine um, it was directed by Derek Sion France. Um, 2010 has uh, Ryan Gosling, Michelle Williams. Um, Ryan Gosling continuing to be a sad boy in all of his <laughs> roles. Michelle Williams continuing to have horrible marriages in all of her roles. <laughs> and um, the tagline is, nobody baby but you and me. I love it. Um, and the description is, Dean and Cindy live a quiet life in a modest neighborhood. They appear to have the world at their feet at the outset of the relationship. However... His lack of ambition and her retreat into self-absorption caused potentially irreversible cracks in their marriage. Um, Yeah, fuck this movie. I mean, I love this movie. I want to get that out the way first. Mm -hmm. Um, I think it's a fantastic movie. I think it's super well made. I think it's incredibly well acted, incredibly well directed. I think the script's fantastic. But you're going to hear me talk about this movie like I fucking hate this movie. (laughs) (laughs) Just because, oh my god, it's... It's just, it's truly traumatizing. There's like no, at least for me, there's just like no like glimmer of hope at the end. There's no Mm, like silver lining to all this tragedy and all this fucking just sad, terrible, horrible nonsense. And there's no like, you know, I just, I couldn't, I didn't walk away from it feeling like anything had happened, but Derek Sion France just reaching through the screen sucker punching me and then like stealing my lunch money and then walking away yeah it's funny you say that i mean because like you know you get to see at the end here fireworks both literally and figuratively um (laughs) and it does kind of lead to that like sucker punch vibe you know Mm -hmm. yeah yeah god it's so bittersweet i don't i'll have to re-pull up that uh, clip of the fireworks because so normally what we've done for the past two episodes is um me and mitchell like, I'll pick a movie for Mitchell to watch, in this case, Blue Valentine. But I just could not bring myself to rewatch it because oh, yeah. <laughs> it just it just hurt too bad. <laughs> so I was like, you know what? We'll just have to talk about, you know, just the 
the memories I have of this movie. And I mean, I watched it for the first time not too long ago. I think it was probably like two years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't remember all of the nuanced details, but I do remember just how fucking painful it felt. Yeah. And what did you think of it, Mitchell? Was as what is it? Was it as a uh, traumatizing of an experience as it was for me? Um, you know, I think I think part of it is like I. I feel like if I hadn't seen Marriage Story already, then I would have like appreciated this film a lot more. If that makes sense, I think it's just like I, I got you. I I had the traumatic experience with uh, Marriage Story, and then this kind of just mm-hmm. felt like another Marriage Story, even though this came out before it. Um, yeah, but it had a lot of. It's definitely oh, wait, you it's definitely kind of in that same vein that I think all of them probably stem from uh, scenes from a marriage. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Have you seen scenes from a marriage? No, I do know it's in the Criterion Collection. Yeah. oh yeah it's criterion collections fucking classic um it's bergman so mm-hmm. you know it's gonna be some depressive pessimistic <laughs> <laughs> shit um it's fantastic and it came out in 1972 73 maybe in 74 um and basically it's just kind of like the stripped down version that kind of invented the sub sub genre mm-hmm that movies like blue valentine and marriage story and i don't know maybe in kramer versus kramer are in um and so you know there's definitely lots of parallels here um blue valentine definitely retains a lot more of like just the the pessimism (laughs) that's in uh that's in scenes from a marriage yeah um marriage story is definitely you know you get like i don't know you get at least like a little ray of sunshine in the end there both figuratively and literally yeah i mean it reminds me of another film i watched as well that kind of has has this like unhappy ending the umbrellas of cherbourg i think oh yeah yeah oh yeah a little jacques demi <laughs> yes that's my fucking boy so i just watched that recently too so i feel like all these things that i have been watching a lot of depressing shit lately so it's just mm-hmm. kind of like just <laughs> not hitting me <laughs> yeah mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. yeah no i definitely feel that i mean even like my own filmmaking, it's like, you know, I like I want to make a movie one day that like is just, you know, optimistic and just relentlessly optimistic, even in the face of, you know, all this shit going on. Mm-hmm. But it's like, you know, it's just I just I can't bring myself to because it just it wouldn't feel honest. So it's yeah. like, you know, having movies that do feel genuinely optimistic, you know, I think they're more important now than ever. Yeah, there's too much optimistic happy ending cinema. Um, but then <laughs> there's again, too much, you think? But then again, there is a lot of that like French New Wave where it's just like, all right, it's gonna end sad. It always does. Was I mean, mm-hmm. it's a mix. Uh, but at least in American filmmaking, I feel like there's a lot of happy endings. Yeah, yeah, no, that is interesting. That that would definitely be a a good subject to talk about for like fucking three hours. Just yeah. kind of you know. Because, I mean, yeah, no, you think fucking 400 blows, you think, you know, just shit like that. It's just, <laughs> it's like, it's definitely not optimistic, but it's not, but it, it's not like as tragic, you know what I mean? Yeah. In a way, in a way, it's not as tragic. It's not like this over the top, you know, Shakespearean fucking sadness. It's just kind of like a, just like a, like almost like a gentle, like. A gentle pessimism, I would say. You know, you know the ending of this film really reminds me of another one as well. Um, what's it called? The Florida Project. Like another oh, barely... Oh, I love the Florida yep. Project. There's a child crying at the end of this one. And it's like 
horrible in the middle of fireworks mm-hmm. where you're supposed to be happy. Um, mm-hmm. And then the end of Florida Project is also just sadness, but she's running to fucking. I won't spoil it for those, but yeah, she's yeah, going don't, to don't, somewhere awesome. It's like yeah, yeah, don't uh, yeah, don't spoil Florida Project because that's a really cool ending. It is, yeah, um, yeah. No, but Florida Project, like, I felt a lot more hopeful about the ending of that because you know, you at least get like a silver lining. You at least have. Mm-hmm. Uh, I want to wear this carefully so I don't spoil anything. You at least have an avenue of escape. Yeah. Um, whereas this, it's like. You know, it's just unrelenting throughout the entire film. And it's like, as it unfolds, you know, you're kind of searching for like those like, all right, where is like, where, when are they going to introduce like this little, this little seed that will somehow later on in their relationship bud into, you know, some sort of resolution, some sort of happiness, some sort of fucking just anything good yeah. and it just it just does not happen and it, it and it has like that yeah. same you know like you start a relationship and everything's happy for the first you know for the first while so all the flashbacks phase. the flashbacks mm-hmm. are also like warm tones and then you know with the title being blue valentine a, <laughs> a large section of this film is takes place in a futuristic hotel room which doesn't Uh, have i forget uh, it doesn't have like a bathroom or it doesn't have a fridge she's like mm -hmm. confused um and it's like really blue in there blue tones and like you can tell this is like a last ditch effort to try to like make something happen romantically Mm -hmm. um (laughs) god don't remind me about that fucking scene but they keep switching between them you know while they're yeah i don't even i don't want to call it the sex scene but the sex scene when they're at that fucking motel just it just hurts man oh gosh it just hurts yeah that's some bad role play he's like (laughs) (laughs) if that's role play to you then i don't want to fucking do this podcast anymore if i recall stories from you i think you've had a similar experience maybe right uh you're gonna have to remind me what exactly happened scissors i think says oh oh <laughs> jesus yeah <laughs> i uh yeah i mean yeah should, should i tell this on the podcast are you cool if i tell this on the podcast hey, i mean it's your it's your love life and your story uh, <laughs> i was that's why i didn't want to go into full detail i wasn't sure you're comfortable in this Ugh, not to throw yeah, off no. the listeners but there is no <laughs> role play in blue Mountain. <laughs> Uh, but you know, honestly, that experience for me was probably exponentially happier than the experience I had watching Blue Valentine. Mm, okay. <laughs> it, just the reason I chose it. I mean, when we picked the topic at first, a film that traumatized you, you know, I was thinking of traumatized in like a very, um, I don't want to say basic sense, but you know, I was thinking like, all right, what are like some thrillers? What are like some horror movies? Like, what's something really violent, really, you know, Mm -hmm. grotesque, really bloody, gory that, like, really fucked me up. But, you know, when I think about it, like, this movie, it's just, it just introduced so many worries in me that I now have in relationships. Um, And just so many, it just, it made me concerned about so many things that I wasn't beforehand. And they're now things that I can't help but think about. And that's you know, that's the definition of being traumatized. Yeah. I just, it's like, you know, I've just 
fucking Pavlov myself every time I see a ukulele. I'm like, ah. <laughs> but the the thing is with Dean's characters, I agree with a lot of what he's saying. Like he doesn't need to. There's no importance in like success really i mean we're all just living and then we're gonna die Mm -hmm. and it's like there's something nice about that he he's like i love one of my favorite lines is she gets mad at him she's like you have a job where you get to drink a beer before work and then go to work and come home and he's like that's that's a luxury he's like i can drink before work and then still Mm. live this awesome life uh still be a good father and things like that um but Mm. she's like trying to push him to do more but like why why should he exactly unless unless they're having financial issues or things like that yeah yeah, yeah I, I know exactly what you mean yeah yeah no i forgot about that line that's a really cool line again i should definitely rewatch this movie at some point mm-hmm. just because you know I, I there's a lot to it and there's a lot i definitely don't remember and there's a lot that i probably subconsciously just shunned out of my memory <laughs> yeah um but you know again I talk about this movie like I hate it. I think it's so fucking fantastic. I think it is so incredibly well made. I think it's just, you know, such a fucking powerful movie. Yeah. But <laughs> it hurts to watch, and so I don't really want to watch it again. I had to actually de- delay today. this recording because I actually ended up watching it twice, Jake. I watched it um, yesterday, and then I watched it the day before yesterday. So I went and saw I went and saw Flea with my buddy, um, uh-huh. and that was fucking awesome. That, yeah, that, we'll have that to talk film about is it. traumatic. <laughs> we'll, we'll have to talk about Flea at some point because I haven't seen it yet, but I have plans to. Oh my soon. gosh, it's so good. And then so my buddy was like, I was planning to go home after that and then watch um, Blue Valentine. Um, but then he was like, hey, let's let's hit the bar, play some pool. So I was like, fuck, all right, I'm going to go do that. <laughs> and then I got I was a few G&Ts in. Mm-hmm. And I got home and I put it on and I like woke up and I was like, I only remember it. little bits and pieces. So I was like, <laughs> I need to watch this again. <laughs> I was like, I at least need to watch the last hour. And then it was like mm-hmm. slowly regaining memory of this film. I got gotcha. So I did oh, end up man, watching I... the whole thing again. Uh, okay. I was going to say I could have used a couple fucking drinks <laughs> watching this. I was just, I was stone cold sober watching it with a friend of mine and just afterwards, both of us just being like, Christ, who fucking, who hurt you, Derek? They're like, I'm going to go home. <laughs> no, no, li- literally. I'm gonna like, go home and shower. <laughs> <laughs> go home. <laughs> I'm going to go home and soak. soak. <laughs> oh, dude. Oh. Well, I'd love to move on to your choice for me because it is... It is Although, actually, I don't know if I want to say equally. I'll leave that up for discussion. Mm-hmm. But um, a film that is also traumatic, Noriko's Dinner Table. Ooh, baby, this is a this is a this is a good one. I'm really excited to talk about this film. Um, one, it's it is a sequel. So actually, I don't know if you want to talk about that first because I've never seen the first film. Yeah, so I went ahead and watched the quote unquote movie that this is a quote sequel to. Yeah. Um, and you know, I really, I wouldn't call this a sequel. Uh, the movie I'm talking about is a suicide club, mm-hmm. uh, which is from, I think 2004, um, same director. Um, and to me, Noriko's dinner table and, uh, suicide club don't really feel like sequels. Mm-hmm. Um, they kind of feel adjacent to each other as opposed to like intertwined with each other. 
Um, I mean, certainly, like, you know, th- there are like, you know, direct references and exact shots and, you know, even a, an exact scene oh, from cool. Suicide Club used in Noriko's Dinner Table. But they kind of just almost feel like a, uh, like a, just a different take on the same idea rather than like uh, A happened and then B happened. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So you definitely do not have to watch them both. Um what, I, what would you choose to watch if you could only pick one? Oh, totally Noriko's. Totally oh, okay. Noriko's. Because yeah. Noriko's is like, you know, it's it's a very interesting brand of, I don't want to say thriller, but drama that begins to have thriller tendencies to it. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas Suicide Club is just feels like a straight up like B-horror Oh, like okay. Fucking like <laughs> handy cam B horror. Yeah. yeah. So it's it, it feels like two different takes on the same idea. Um, rather than like, you know, episode four, Luke, you know, <laughs> obtains a lightsaber and saves the galaxy. <laughs> episode five, the Empire Strikes Back. Like it's not really like that. It's just kind of like uh, okay, here's this idea, here's this, you know, event that happens. Um being the mass suicide of 54 girls. They're fucking um, crazy. Yeah, here's how it affects this group of people. And here's how it affects this other group of people. Okay. So, yeah, I would not I would not call it a sequel. Um, so you can definitely watch one before the other. You can definitely just watch Noriko's. You can definitely just watch Suicide Club. But I definitely, definitely, definitely prefer Noriko's Dinner Table. Cool. Yeah, I mean, that's what I did like initially i think i watched this like a year ago nariko's dinner table and my friends and i had no idea it was even a sequel but we just threw it on um mm-hmm. but it's directed by science sono and he has other notable films that are rated a lot higher i do want to see them uh, love exposure mm-hmm. i really want to see love <laughs> exposure it's just it's like hard to find see. it's two no it's 267 minutes oh, long oh my gosh <laughs> <laughs> So like I don't know when I have time to watch a fucking five hour movie. Yeah, but um, yeah, no, it's rated wicked highly. It's like number sixty four on Letterbox, like oh, wow. top features of all time. So like, you know, it's above some pretty iconic movies. Another film he has is Anti Porno, which yes. I did have tickets to see. Uh, have you seen it? I haven't seen it, but I've I've tried getting like my friends group to watch it, and multiple times we picked something else. Eventually, <laughs> <laughs> sounds like you need a new group of friends. <laughs> yeah, I had tickets to see it. Um, one time I was in New York City. Um, I forget why we didn't end up going to see it, but I was on a I was on a class field trip. Um, shout out Professor Barry. <laughs> oh, nice, nice. Uh, I definitely want to check out those films. Hopefully, maybe one day we'll talk about this on those podcasts, either of those films. Oh, but yeah, yeah Nariko's... Oh, sorry, you go. No, 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 go ahead, go ahead. I was just going to say, Nariko's Dinner Table came out in 2005. Mm-hmm. Here's the uh, letterbox description. It hit, says, him, hit him with that tagline. The family that eats together stays together. Oh, it's... <laughs> I mean, I don't know how good it is from a marketing perspective, but once you see the movie, it's a good fucking tagline. Yeah, man. Um, and it says a teenager named Nariko, uh, Shama, Shama Barbara, fuck, <laughs> you don't need her last name, <laughs> runs away from her family in uh, Toyokawa to meet Kumiko, the leader of the internet BBS, Hayoko.com. Uh, she becomes involved with Kumiko's family circle, in quotes, 
not really her family. <laughs> well, 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 I've I've got some things to say about the quote unquote family circle, <laughs> which grows darker after the mass suicide of fifty four high school girls. Mm. Uh, the leads, I I mean I don't know, Jake, if you want to take a stab at their names. Um, I think Kaze Fukishi plays Noriko and mm-hmm. Mitsuko. Uh, Sugumi, who plays Kumiko in Uno Station Fifty Four. Yes, Uno Station Fifty Four is a name. Um, <laughs> let's see, Yuriko Yoshitaka, who plays Yuka and Yoko, and Ken Mitsuishi, who plays mm-hmm. Tetsu Tetsuzo. I I don't know if that's a soft. I think that y- works. I don't know if it's a soft U or not. But yeah, yeah Tets Tetsuo Tetsuo, um, the dad. Yeah. Um, speaking of the dad, get gaslit, you fucking nerd. <laughs> <laughs> that poor man spends li- so much money. <laughs> I mean, I don't want to spoil anything, but like my review yeah. of this movie on Letterboxd was just I saw how to gaslight the fuck out of your dad. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Oh man. So the reason that some of these characters are played by different people is this film has a lot to do with like identity and who you mm-hmm. are. Uh, and, and you're, trying to find out who you are and your connection to yourself mm-hmm. uh to quote the movie exactly which is that 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 quote your connection to others your connection to yourself are you connected to yourself um that quote is used a billion times in suicide club and okay it, it, so that's that's just the reason i know it by heart but mm-hmm. the theme rather than the theme of are you connected to yourself rather than the actual words themselves are a huge theme in uh, Noriko's. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, the reason I rate this film so highly and the reason that I found it traumatic is just like, well, first, let me talk about why I love it. It's like, I, I'm yeah, a sucker please. for commentary. Um, <laughs> so, so like narration is, I love narration in films. Mm, there are certain yeah. films that can't really do it very well. I think Noriko's Dinner Table does it well, but I think a lot of the narrations are a little too long. Like they just go yeah. on and on saying the same thing over and again. Yeah, it's um, um it's definitely. I mean, it's definitely a very unique type of narration. It's definitely very um, it's not like a lazy narration. It's not like you know the original cut of Blade Runner where they're like, "This is too confusing. Let's just add narration." Um, <laughs> it's very very purposeful. Uh, I mean, there's even scenes where they narrate the exact dialogue that the characters are speaking in that moment <laughs> um which is interesting because i just saw worst person in the world um oh, last week it's so bad. oh it's so good mitchell but um there's scenes yeah. where they do the same thing the narrator will be saying word for word exactly what the characters are saying as the characters are saying it so mm-hmm. it's definitely a, a stylistic choice um so if you're not a fan of like the og blade runner cut don't don't be put off by this mm-hmm but yeah, the the reason I found it traumatic is like we kind of just popped it on me and my buddy Dan, and we were just like, all right, <laughs> and then just like fucking the scenes with the train and just like mm-hmm. following the story, which I had no idea prior to this that you could hire people to kind of like be someone to help you get through your own trauma mm-hmm. uh, and like play mm-hmm. as a family member who's passed. Uh, I didn't know that was like a thing that happened until this film. And I, I also found out like you can hire people to go to funerals and cry at your funeral. Yes. Uh, <laughs> I knew about the crying at your funeral. I didn't know. Is that really a big thing is hiring people to act as yeah. like, a deceased family? Damn. Fuck. Yeah. To help you get over the death of them or to try to like relive certain memories. God damn. 
Yeah. Yeah. It's... So that that's the quote unquote family circle he was talking about. Mm-hmm. Basically, uh, what the fuck is her name? Um, the main girl, uh, Noriko. Noriko um, or yeah, Mitsuko. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Depending on what scene she's in. Um, <laughs> yeah. She, she runs away from home, moves to Tokyo, um, and joins basically this girl's company, I guess, where, you know, they're like basically actors for hire to pretend to be, you know, your lost kids or your divorced wife or your dead dad and shit like that. Um, they just pretend to be, you know, relatives that they're not and, you know, just act out these scenes with these people who are, you know, going through some shit. Um, and, you know, it's definitely a very unique thing, but, um, there's actually, actually, you know, why don't you go ahead and say some more about why I was so traumatizing for you before I get into my can of worms? Yeah. I mean, like I said, we had no idea really going into it, what this film was, and I'd never seen Suicide Club either. So it's just like it kind of it fades to black and it's just like six months later 54 girls kill themselves in, <laughs> in shinjuku station <laughs> it's just like what the fuck is this? what does this have to do with anything uh-huh. uh and then i don't know it's just like there's also this really creepy stuff happening throughout the film with like um the locker 54 and this mm-hmm. like baby that's mm-hmm. dropped off there yeah um, that there's one shot in particular that's just so fucking david lynch yeah you know the one i'm talking about where it just kind of pushes in on the locker and then you see interior of the locker yeah yeah and i love i don't know i just love the overall entire story just seems like Mm. such a horrible experience for the dad Um, oh yeah oh yeah the dad of the boy girl yeah i love how yuka like leaves clues for him and Mm -hmm. And each character has their own chapter where they're they're narrating. It's not just like one person who's narrating throughout the entire yeah. film. Yeah, and so, you know, it's definitely it's definitely a longer movie. It's like what, two hours and forty three minutes or something like yeah. that. But with that runtime, you know, the story doesn't meander. You really get to flesh out, you know, this very fucking unique drama <laughs> that this movie yeah. has for you. Oh man, it's just there's so many crazy scenes. I love the scene with um kind of the ringleader um kumiko like talking like talking to someone in her life i don't want to spoil anything but she's oh, just i know like, i know the scene. i know the scene she's like is your partner here too let's take him as well <laughs> <laughs> it's like <laughs> oh god yeah yeah <laughs> yeah um, no this yeah this movie's this movie's interesting i mean you know the idea of you know somebody you know willingly and knowingly pretending to be not even pretending but just acting as someone that they're not um you know to you know help people you know go through some shit or you know accomplish any other sort of task um yeah you know it is an interesting thing that i have seen in a few movies Mm -hmm. um there's one thing or there's one movie that i've been trying to think of since i watched noriko's dinner table I can't fucking figure out what it is, so I'll have to let you know when I do. But yeah. there's another movie, which I often tell people is probably the most unique movie I've ever seen. Um, it's called Holy Motors. Holy Motors, okay. Yeah, and it's a, a French movie from 2013, um, or maybe 2014. 
Uh, it's about this guy who's basically an actor, and he just pretends to be these different people throughout the day. So, you know, oh, it, cool. it starts with him, you know, pretending to be, you know, some guy mourning at uh, a funeral, and then it's he transitions into like this woman's father and then he transitions into like these really weird roles where he's like a dwarf leprechaun like jester type character (laughs) that like interrupts this photo shoot with this supermodel going on and yeah no it's is i don't want to say any more about it but it is the most unique movie i've seen and it explores that same idea of just like you know what it means to be someone else not in you know any sort of romantic sense, but literally act as someone else and for other people. Yeah, um, for other people's like amusement, I guess, or just to just to do it for yourself to entertain yourself is that kind of in, idea. In Holy Motors, yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> you're, you're asking a question with a long answer. Yeah, um, I mean, it's like his job. Oh, that interesting. Like that, yeah, like he like wakes up in the morning and you see him like, you know, getting ready for the day. And then he gets in his limo. That's also kind of like his makeup trailer where he puts on all the different, like, you know, masks and costumes and disguises. Um, So it's his job. Why he does it. I don't know. And yeah, no. So Holy Motors, you should definitely check that out, Mitchell. I think Mm -hmm. you would have a fucking ball with it. I'll put it on my list. Yeah. yeah, And then have you seen Titan, Titan? No, I haven't seen it yet, but I really oh, want to. Yeah, so I don't I don't I don't think I want to sit. It's not I don't know if you'd call it a spoiler or not. Some people you could argue that it's not a spoiler, but I still don't want to say anything about it. But the themes I've been talking about just now with Holy Motors and with Riku's Dinner Table, um definitely some parallels there in Teton. So definitely check that out too. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, I'll, I'll try to check those out. I- They've definitely, well, at least Titan has been on my watch list for a while. Mm-hmm. The, oh, it's, um, it's one of my favorite movies of the year. Oh, okay, okay. Mm-hmm. Then I gotta definitely check it out. <laughs> um, with Noriko's, though, I love, like, what really fucks me up as well is that, like, she leaves to go and, like, be happier. And then she is happy for a little bit. And then just Kamiko just tears her apart. And, yeah. Like, forces her to do some fucked up shit. Um, oh, and, like, yeah. Dehum- no, she- the whole time it's like brainwashing and dehumanizing her. I can't say that word. Dehumanizing? Yeah, dehumanizing her. Um, until at the end, kind of, I don't want to spoil, but like she's like, you, I don't know. It's like she does kind of like give it up, you know? Yeah, she's like, the, the character is in grasp of their goal, mm-hmm. but was it worth it? You know, that kind (laughs) of, that type, but to this, you know, crazy fucking extent that you definitely haven't seen before, you, the viewer. Um, Yeah. Yeah. I also also think it has a really creative, like, ending where the dad does do all this crazy shit um, to try to get them back. Mm -hmm. Uh, And it's just like, it's the same level to me as Parasite with, like, that ending that you didn't really expect. Uh, yeah, no, it it definitely has a similar kind of like sudden explosivity, mm-hmm. but also uh, an explosion, but also an implosion, um, kind of all at once with like all the characters kind of finally in the same place. Um, 
Yeah, no, it, yeah, no, no, I didn't think about it. It definitely reminds me a lot of the ending of Parasite. Yeah, yeah. Well, so what did you think tra- trauma-wise, and then what did you like about it and not like about it? Um, hmm, that's a good question. I don't, it wasn't super traumatic for me. Um, I mean, you know, it's definitely got its fucked up parts. Um, coming from Suicide Club, the scenes that you experience were just like the kind of blunt casualness about this crazy mass suicide those are you know just explored all the way up and down suicide club so those Mm -hmm. kind of were just like already pretty matter of fact for me so i definitely didn't get that experience out of them like you did um but as for like you know just kind of like the family aspect it's like yeah it's been something that's kind of creeping up on me like ever since I first watched it. I mean, I watched it, you know, a couple of days ago. And after I watched it, you know, I, like, I felt fine. But, you know, mm-hmm. just kind of this, this, this feeling of, like, the horror of, you know, being a stranger in your own life, being a stranger among your family, being a stranger at your own dinner table. It's just kind of like, it's a creepy thought, you know, it, like. It's got. Re- reverse amnesia, almost. Yeah. And it's got like, great ass quotes. So it's like we all wear a mask in front of different people. Like you wear a mask in front of your employer. Nobody you heard who I was until of... I put on the mask. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, that was funny. Like you wear a mask for your your job and for work, and you wear a mask in front of your friends, and you wear a mask for your girlfriend. And it's like, mm-hmm. it, which person are you actually? Yeah, um, and then what happens? Most? if your mask gets removed and yeah. nobody knows who you are, even though you are still you. Um, yeah. And yeah, some it's... of my favorite quotes are in this film. One of my favorites is um, everybody wants to be the champagne. Nobody wants to be the glass. Everybody wants to be a flower. <laughs> nobody wants to be the vase. The world needs vases and, uh, and glasses. And some people need to fill those roles. It's like, holy Oh, that's shit. really cool. That's really <laughs> yeah. cool. Oh man. Yeah. There's a lot of like, if you really like read a lot of like just crazy good quotes in this film, mm-hmm. just like that. Right? Yeah, like, I'll have to. Just, yeah, we'll, we'll have to look up if this is based on a book or not, because it certainly feels like a novel, mm-hmm. in you know, in the prose, but also, um, you know, just kind of in the structure of it and how you know deeply it, you get to you know really experience all the involved characters. Um, that's that's what i love about narration in film like you look at a lot of wes anderson's work um you mm-hmm. look at like the other film i saw recently uh, that i mentioned last week what's it called uh to Tommy and like those types mm-hmm. of things it feels like you're not only it feels like you're reading a book but you're also like watching a book it's yeah it's, it's the best of both worlds yeah exactly <laughs> have you ever seen while well, we're talking about narration have you ever seen ad astra with Brad no Pitt? i haven't seen that it's a it's a sci-fi movie with some you know some pretty heavy narration that I wasn't a fan of initially, but has really fucking grown on me. Um, oh, nice! Yeah, so check out Ad Astra if you like narration because it does got some narration. It do be <laughs> narrated, but um, it's kind of a sleeper hit for me. I know it kind of like flew under everybody's radar, and I think 2019 when it came out, but uh. 2019 mm-hmm. also slapped movie wise so can you yeah. blame them it had like those similar vibes from um where it's like we don't need to know this about these characters it doesn't add anything to the story but it's still like really fun and i wish 
someone was following me around like a voice in my head that like every person i passed they would just tell me something about that person <laughs> like, with, like with like at the beginning with tangerine she's like how did she like oh, it doesn't matter God. how she got her nickname mm-hmm. but and it doesn't even find out. really like her character really doesn't even matter that much to the fucking story <laughs> no it doesn't like and that but and yet you kind of i, I don't want to spoil it but you do see her again for a brief moment mm-hmm. and it's just like yeah no tangerine's character is really cool I really like that actress too. She was really funny. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, I, I totally forgot about Tangerine. She's fucking awesome. So her, her character reminds me of another character in Burning. Have you seen Burning? Yes, I have. I've been, I've been talking about Burning a lot lately just because, uh, I don't know if you've seen Drive My Car yet. Oh, no. But it's, it's Drive My Car dropped, Taken the World by Storm. Maybe it'll pull it off at the Oscars and win Best Picture. But um, mm-hmm. a lot of people have been asking me like what I thought of Drive My Car. And I told them that it slaps and that it's definitely a slow burn. So if you're, you know, kind of turned off or intimidated by the runtime to check out burning first. Mm-hmm. And then if you dig burning, you'll definitely dig drive my car. Yeah. I, well, that's good for me. Cause I love burning. And oh yeah. So- it, if, if you like burning and you kind of like this narrative, um, almost novelistic style of Nurika's dinner table, then mm-hmm. both you put the two of those in a blender, you get drive my car. You're gonna fuck nice. it. You are gonna love drive my car, man. Yes. Yeah, so yeah, Tangerine's like character who's kind of working outside of a shop just really reminds me of Burning with the woman who gives him the watch, um, and like her job. She has to wear that like outfit. You know, yeah, that, like, yeah. Sexualized I, I re- outfit. I remember. I remember. And he gets he wins the lottery or whatever that, but it was kind of rigged. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, I think we've talked about this a good chunk. Um, <laughs> we can talk about some comparisons if you want, and if they can work as a double feature. Yeah. Um, I mean, let me sneeze. Maybe. <coughs> Jesus. <laughs> oh, all right. Edit that out. <laughs> or at least unclip <laughs> the audio. Um, so yeah, Mitchell, what do you think? Would uh, Blue Valentine and Noriko's Dinner Table work as a double feature? It'd be a long double feature because it is. <laughs> that's Nariko's dinner table is long, long, long. But yeah, I don't think it would work as a double feature. But there are some elements that can be compared. I think, especially from the father's side, he's kind of fighting for his family, mm. and then in mm. Valentine, mm-hmm. he's fighting mm-hmm. for his family as well. Um, with with Dean, always coming so. up with these dope comparisons, man. Always, <laughs> always blowing me away with these. <laughs> yeah, it, it's that element of just. He's trying to get the family to eat together again. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's kind of all that Dean cares about as well. But then yeah. Cindy, Cindy's kind of related to Noriko where she wants like a better life. Yeah, uh, she wants a better life. She wants, you know, her individuality. She wants, you know, she is a rebellious, you know, audacious, even sometimes ditzy person to use a quote exactly mm-hmm. from uh, Noriko's dinner table. And, you know, she wants to be that rather than to hide that and... Yeah, no, there's definitely definitely some interesting parallels from the characters that I did not think of till now. <laughs> Done it again. <laughs> hey, there you go. Dude, I can filibust, man. <laughs> 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 we'll have to do that. We'll have to make a just a whole podcast where we don't actually really say anything, but where we actually do talk for like an hour. Oh, yeah, exactly. I just hit people with like the movie trivia and then you just bullshit about oh that movie reminds me of this movie yeah (laughs) yeah i love i love finding comparisons between two films but yeah those are the two that stood out to me you know Mm. um 
it is like family centric both films yeah even though they're both yeah they're they're family centric but even more than that they're like person-to-person relationship uh centric and you know i think a huge part of relationships that not a lot of movies and unfortunately not a lot of people explore is how you know your relationship with another person is you know very much so directed by your relationship with yourself um I mean, mm-hmm. you know, to quote Nariku's dinner table, like, are you connected to yourself? That's really going to dictate, you know, what your love life, what your familial relationships are like. And, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. I think that's a common theme, um, even though, uh, sorry, I just got a work email. <laughs> <laughs> no worries, man. 826 dude, at night. <laughs> I'm, I'm liking where you're going. Yeah. Um okay fuck what was i saying yeah okay so yeah no your uh your relationships you know are dictated like you know you can't truly love somebody till you love yourself you can't truly be connected to somebody till you're connected with yourself and Mm -hmm. as i say that that's almost verbatim a thing that they explore in drive my car so again to bring it back to drive my car (laughs) you the viewer should watch drive my car and mitchell you yourself should watch drive my car yeah, man, I really gotta. I'm trying to watch a lot of the Oscar nominated films. That's why I went and saw Flea. It was just like, mm-hmm. oh, man. yeah, I'm like, a, if I could choose another traumatic film, that that one is very traumatic. Ooh. Have you seen Persepolis? Uh, I've read the book, the graphic novel. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, check out <laughs> check, check out the movie. Um, okay. I haven't seen Flea yet, but I, there's probably gonna be some comparisons there. It, I'm sure you. It's definitely. I'm sure I'm sure you'll come up with some fucking comparisons, but I've got some of my own for the two. There, there are a lot of comparisons, but I think, I guess I haven't seen the film, but I've read the book and it's, I don't know. I really like, I really like uh, what they did with Flea Mm -hmm. because it's also about identity, similar to what we're talking about now. There's a lot of Mm -hmm. identity Mm -hmm. things in it. Um, Yeah, no, I'm very excited to go check that out. I'm, I'm a little behind on my Oscar movies this year. Usually, Usually when the nominees come out, I've seen like, you know, like 75% of them, mm-hmm. like three quarters. I'm probably like halfway through. Um, I've just been watching a lot of like, you know, movies that haven't been from this year. And yeah. they didn't nominate a couple interesting picks in particular. Um, nothing for Teton, which was very surprising. Oh, yeah. That's yeah, true. Nothing. Yeah. Even though it won the fucking Palm d'Or, it can. Yeah. Yeah. It has really good reviews as well. Yeah. No, I've. That's Sad. too bad. But um so if you were to put a double feature together using Noriko's dinner table as one of the movies, what would the other one be? Do you think burning? Oof. Oh my gosh, it would be pretty good with burning. Yeah. Um yeah, burning would go with it. Let me think real quick. Uh do you have one that could go with Noriko's? Um with Noriko's, you know, I think burning would definitely work. I think drive my car would probably also work. Um you know, you'd have to be in the mood for some fucking soul searching to buy tickets to the event. Yeah. Um, and also the two of them together, it's almost six hours. Um, but yeah, yeah that no, would be I, a lot. I think that would work. Um, I mean, I also think uh, Suicide Club would be an interesting double feature with it. Not because it's like supposed to be some sort of sequel, but just because, you know, the aspect of exploring you know the exact same idea in two very with two very different lenses no pun intended yeah Um, yeah so i'm trying to think of like another good example of that it'd be like you know watching um 
It'd be like, uh, fuck. Let me think of a good example. <laughs> I watched a, like a really good film that probably would have gone with it as well called Ritual. That was good. Ritual. It yeah. sounds familiar. Let me. It's it. on your watch list. Yeah. Okay. My watch list is also way too long. I need to start. Yeah. Like diving into that. But the that ritual? one is about. That's oh, just ritual. called Ritual. Oh, Hidekiano. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, actually, I don't know anything about this. I only have it on my watch list purely because it's Hidekiano, and I'm a big Evangelion fan. Yeah, uh, it's yeah. really good. I, I highly recommend it. A, dis- um, a disillusioned filmmaker has an encounter with a young girl who has a ritual of repeating, tomorrow is my birthday, every day. Yep. He tries to communicate <laughs> with her through his video camera. Oh, fuck. It's also, like, that film American really, Beauty really Time. Dark. It's really dark, just like this one, and it's got the same yeah. thing where it's like family and identity and like not wanting to move mm-hmm. on. I mean, like, that is another thing I was gonna say is like, I mean, while we're talking about Hidekiano, while we're talking about Nariku's dinner table, Nariku's dinner table is very Evangelion. <laughs> so yeah. I'm not surprised that Hidekiano has a similar movie do this. What do you pair with uh, Blue Valentine? You know, what's a nice little. Uh... I'm you thinking know? Jaws. No. Jaws. Um, <laughs> you know, it's just shark. You know, it's like the relationship's like a shark. And it's like, no. <laughs> um, with Blue Valley, I mean, I'd like to pair it. Um, you know, Marriage Story would be an interesting one. Um, mm-hmm. Purely because, you know, Marriage Story is kind of like the bright, bubbly, happy, older sibling. While Blue Valentine is like the depressed reclusive emo goth younger sibling um they kind of feel like two different takes of the same thing two different sides of the same coin um so i think that would probably make for a good double feature um it's just i would love to pair it with something you know i think i have a good one to pair it with yeah yeah fucking le bonheur or how do you say it you say it like you're a sixth grader. No, you say Le Bonair. Le Bonair. You, you say it like Le Boner. Le Boner. Le Boner. <laughs> yeah. I think Le Bonair. Cool that that would got... actually be a really good idea. Yeah, because it's, yeah. I mean, tonally, it's the exact fucking opposite. Visually, it's like <laughs> watching Blue Blue Valentine next to Le Bonair is like watching a black and white movie before a technical yeah. movie. <laughs> And it also just has incredibly sad ending, right? Um, yes, but it leaves you feeling less helpless. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it, you know, even though it's overall like a net loss um, for that for the main character, it's like you know, is it net loss? I don't even know if I'd say that. So yeah, no, I, that would be a very interesting double feature. It feel it would definitely. Uh, you know, just some sing-songy, technicolor happiness. <laughs> some flowers after Blue Velvet would definitely be nice. Some trippy ones to pair it with, I think, too. I love this film, Me and You and Everyone We Know. I think it could work with that a little bit. It's a oh, little more I haven't seen that yet, but I've been meaning to. Oh, my gosh. It's, dude, I, I think we should save that one because I'd love to do talk about that film. Hell, yeah. Yes, absolutely. There's a great quote in it where it says, the poop going back and forth forever. (laughs) (laughs) All right, I'm sold. I'm sold. 
more movies need fart jokes and poop jokes and i am not kidding essentially a child is trying to like interpret sex in like a, one of those like live chats <laughs> like he's talking to a real person who's like like he's going back and forth forever. And he doesn't know what sex is so he's like i want to poop in your butt and you poop in my butt <laughs> like, oh that's awesome she's like what do you mean by that and he's like the poop goes back and forth forever um and so he and then he draws what it looks like uh with like parentheses to make a butt and then uh arrows pointing towards each other and then parentheses to make another butt and then the criterion blu-ray comes with a bunch of photos of people who got that tattooed <laughs> it's like oh no way <laughs> yeah yeah dude i want to get a stupid movie tattoo and be in a criterion <laughs> booklet that sounds awesome yeah it's just a funny line that's in it <laughs> well with uh with with the with the poopy butts out of the way i think that's a good note to end it on yeah yeah i think so this was a i think this is a great episode yeah no this was really fun this is probably my favorite one yet to be honest oh cool that's awesome yeah so we're uh thank you for listening as always um i hope you gain some uh some sort of some kind of insight whatever flavor of insight it may be from us talking about these very interesting movies um viewer jake's viewer discretion is advised if you do check out blue valentine <laughs> don't watch it with a significant other i would recommend yeah probably not a good idea yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. No. but um, hey anything else yeah. you'd like to add I was going to say by now we probably have like a social media going at least. I hope we three yeah. weeks in. So um, we've, we've got, I mean, at the time of recording, um, we've got the Fox Den Film Club Insta handle, right? We have Instagram and Twitter. Okay, um, sick. Yeah. So fucking follow us on Instagram, guys. Yeah. I don't know we'll where post, else we're going to put this. but Yeah, we'll, uh, we'll post, I don't know, some, we'll post something. Pretty sure it will end up being on Spotify at least. Like, I definitely want it on there. I want to get it on SoundCloud and then maybe mm-hmm. YouTube as well. Uh, what about Title? <laughs> title, yeah. <laughs> For a second, I was like, the title of the podcast? That's how irrelevant title. That's is. how irrelevant <laughs> title is. <laughs> All right. Well, th- thank you everybody for listening. And if anybody's listening on Title, I don't exactly understand why, but thank you regardless. <laughs>